Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. Today is Friday. October 29th, 2021. This is Shannon, and tonight I am joined by Sarah and Brooke, and we are talking about books centered around social media. We did an episode like this sometime last year, but it seemed like a good one to bring back. So I'm going to start with the usual housekeeping information, then Brooke will start us off, I will follow, and Sarah will end the round. You can find us on Twitter and on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. You can always post just on the Book Bistro timeline. Some of you have done that. I'm always so happy to see when you've published posts there. You can join our Facebook listener group where you can chat with us as well as with other podcast listeners. You can keep an eye on some of what we're reading. We usually update you each Wednesday with a look at our current reads. If you'd like to get a hold of us and social media is not really your thing, you can email us. That address is thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. So my first book for tonight is Pretty Little Things, FBI Agent Bobby D's Number One by Jillian Hoffman. So this book... Um, in this book, our main character's name is Bobby Dees, and his co-workers have nicknamed him the Shepherd. So Bobby works in the, like, kind of like the children in danger section of the FBI. I can't quite remember what exactly the name of it was, but his specialty is finding missing children and bringing them back dead or alive. Um, he feels that it's just really important to him that kids are back with their families, no matter what condition they're in, which I think is great because you definitely want closure, but it's also sad. So one child that Bobby has not been able to find is his own daughter. So about a year prior to when this book takes place, Bobby's daughter, Katie, left in after having an argument with her with her parents so they don't know where she is like she's been missing and they have he's got a lot of feelers out trying to find her being the FBI he's got a lot of connections but they he like they've had no luck so our case that he has been called out to is the disappearance of a girl named Lainey and Lainey is 13 years old and unbeknownst to her parents and we find this out with some investigation she has been communicating with what she thought was a 16 year old boy on the internet um i thought it was i think it was myspace that's i think that's what they called it and added to this she was also connecting with him through like instant messaging so there was no real trace like no phone number they could trace no real like 
way that they could find her. So they're doing a lot of investigations. So we learn that this boy is actually not like, sorry, like the name of the boy is being used by the um, suspect. And we get to know this boy that was being used and we find out that he was actually on a field trip. So there's no way that he could be involved. But as we go along, we get little glimpses into what's happening. And you learn a lot about like social media and how it's being used by bad people, for lack of a better way of saying it. And it's um, one of um, Bobby's, for example, one of Bobby's co-workers, we get to see him and he has, he has like a profile that he's using um, to lure the bad man and stuff like that is he's using um, a 14 year old girl. So it was really interesting to see that. So I'm going to leave it there because I don't want to give away anything, but this is pretty little things. FBI agent Bobby D's number one by Jillian Hoffman. And as um, Shannon and I were talking about earlier, she never really continued this series. Um, this book ends in a way that it really doesn't, it could just be a standalone, but I really wish she had continued it because I really liked um, Bobby D's as a character. I liked this one a lot. I think it's very funny because like this came out quite a while ago, as you can I tell. Think it was 2010. Yes, because like MySpace is referenced and MySpace hasn't been around in like <laughs> I know. I didn't a really even... long time. So I have a few thrillers tonight, but I'm going to start with a social media romance. This is The Fastest Way to Fall by Denise Williams. And at the time that we're recording this, this book has not been released yet, but by the time that it airs, it will have been. So I'm only cheating like very, um, in, in a very minor way. <laughs> so this is the story of Britta. And Britta is a journalist for this magazine called Best Life. And she really wants to get a promotion from being like an editorial assistant to an actual writer for the site. So she and her competitor, who is a woman named Claire, decide that they are going to work together, sort of, to highlight two different social media sort of fitness apps that help women to achieve whatever their fitness goals might be. So Britta ends up using this app called Fit Me Fitness. And she starts to like really, really like it. She doesn't have a lot of, a lot of knowledge about fitness. You know, she's never been someone who pays a lot of attention to, you know, the latest like research on fitness. She's not a big exercise person, but she thinks that this is kind of what she needs to do to make sure that she can progress in her writing career. So she is matched to a coach named Wes and Wes and Britta immediately kind of start like forming an attachment. Um, you know, they have this like really witty banter that happens over the course of the book in like chat messages in the app, sometimes oh. in emails, sometimes oh. in text messages. 
Can't so it's wait. a little bit of an epistolary feel if you like that kind of epistolary romance. Um, now, Wes, you have to know a few things about him that Britta doesn't know when she first meets him. Um, we know it as the reader, so it's not a spoiler for me to tell you. But Wes is actually the owner of the app. And he oh. does not know that Britta is a journalist. So they fall in love and they're both kind of keeping these secrets from one another. Um, Wes comes from a very, very fractured family. He has oh. a lot of emotional baggage that he's carrying around. And this kind of causes some problems for them because like his, his ability to trust is not, not quite where it, it might want to be if you're going to enter into a relationship. Um, I love this for its body positivity. Britta is a self-proclaimed fat black woman. She does not feel that she needs to change who she is for anyone. Um, you know, she, she struggles sometimes because people can make her feel unworthy, but at the end of the day, she does not want to lose weight to please people. Um, this is just like a big hearted, fun novel that has quite a bit of depth beneath the surface. I loved Britta so much. I loved seeing in the beginning of most of the chapters that are from her perspective, um, these little bits of writing that she's kind of putting into her articles on best life to kind of chronicle her fitness journey. Um, this is Denise Williams' second novel. Her first one came out last year. It's called How to Fail at Flirting. I have not read it yet. But if it's anything like this one, it will be amazing. So this is The Fastest Way to Fall by Denise Williams. And I so highly recommend it. It's like one of the hidden gems of 2021 so far. Oh, I can't wait. Well, my first book tonight is a book that my twin read first. So I'm giving her actually... I can probably give her the credit for several of these. I think she read most of them first. And um, this book is called The Soulmate Equation by Christina Lauren. And this is the story of Jess. And Jess is a single mom. She is a like a data analyst. She's very like she works with numbers and she's very like facts, numbers, not fluffy. And she is kind of lonely, but really doesn't want to open herself up to any heartache. She was raised by her grandparents because her mother just really couldn't be bothered to be around much for her. She just wanted to party all the time. Her dad took off when she was little. And then the cycle kind of repeated itself. Well, she doesn't party, but her, the um, father of her now seven-year-old daughter split before her daughter Juno was born. So she's trying to scrape things together, single mom, living near her grandparents who are aging, but so helpful and so lovely. And they're helping her out, but it's just, it's just really a struggle for Jess. And she goes to a coffee shop every day with her best friend. And she goes there to work because she, work, she works for herself and her best friend is an author. And so they go to this coffee shop every day and there's this guy that comes in every day and he's really this beautiful guy. They call him a coffee drink, but it's like an Americano or something, not an exciting like zippy drink. And <laughs> yeah. And one day somehow he talks to them 
And he and Jess kind of get off on the wrong foot. And he's just kind of like stuffy and snobby and awkward. And she just doesn't like him. So she is very surprised to find out that he is part of this app that they've, that has been created that is all based on numbers and data and it matches people together for compatibility. So you go through all this testing, you go through all these quizzes, you do all these things. And at the end you're matched with who should be your soulmate. And Jess finds it quite interesting because, you know, she likes numbers, she likes data. So it makes a lot of sense to her. And basically Jess and her friend are asked to come in and just try out, try all this app. They're still trialing it to see if they can find a soulmate. So Jess goes and she does all the things and then she just kind of forgets about it. You know, her friend just wants to like have flings with a bunch of guys while she's looking for her soulmate. And Jess doesn't until she finds out that she has a 98% compatibility rate with somebody. And she's horrified to find out that it is the creator of the app, River Pena. Mr. Americano. I think that's what they call him, Mr. Americano. And she's like, ew, like you, this is not accurate. This is not, no, this is, this app is garbage. This is not, I am not compatible with this man. (laughs) And they beg her. They say, please, will you please just for like social media, for marketing, will you just do a few things that are highly publicized and pretend to like River and we'll pay you. And Jess is like, oh my God, like it's a lot of money. She doesn't really want to turn it down because, you know, it's a better, it's a better short-term life for Juno. And she really is trying to give her daughter just the best of the best of lives that she can give her. So she agrees and they start doing these different photo shoots and these different like public appearances, but somehow River kind of starts becoming part of Jess's personal life as well and spending time with her and unintentionally meeting Juno and meeting her grandparents. And suddenly June or Jess and river start to wonder if maybe the data was correct. So if you would like to learn if river and Jess are actually quite compatible and if an app in a, if a fictitious app can really bring people together Please read The Soulmate Equation by Christina Lauren. Um, they, are, they are a really great author team. And I, the book, it was the first one I read by them. And I was worried that it would be too, too like surfacey for me. But they did a really great job. And there were some parts, I mean, I teared up several times, which I mean, I know for me, isn't that surprising, but it was really, really a good book. And I <laughs> felt like it was, it was more than just, does he like me? Does he not like me? I don't know if I like you. Maybe I do like you. (laughs) I really enjoyed it. So my next book tonight, it's a Sarah book. It is The Royals Next Door by Karina Hawley. And I love this book. This book's just happy. It made me feel happy. So our main character's name is Piper Evans. And she lives in a small town. She's a teacher. And she lives with her mother, who has a mental health um, condition. 
And she really has been trying to like become part of the little community, but they still kind of treat her as an outsider, even though she's been living there for five years. She tries to avoid the pub where her ex works as a bartender. And she's also, you guys are going to like this. She is an avid romance reader. And she has an anonymous podcast. And I loved this podcast because she reads, she reads live smutty romances. And you can imagine why that needs to be anonymous being a teacher. (laughs) (laughs) So unbeknownst to her, she is going to now have some new neighbors Um, Some new people have rented the mansion next door and they happen to be a royal couple and their names are Monica and Eddie. And the first way that she finds out about this is she stopped as she enters her little neighborhood by a bodyguard. And the bodyguard just starts asking her questions about like, who are you? What are you doing? I don't know you, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, what the? And so she learns this and she's, she's excited because it's something interesting happening in a small town. But she's also really nervous because her mother has problems with strangers. And she's really concerned about how this is going to affect her mom. So as the story goes on, she meets uh, Monica and Eddie and she develops a friendship with them and Holly really I think based this book on the life of um, Megan and Harry like you can really see the same things are happening in their lives um, Monica and Eddie that parallels for yeah parallels so you can really <laughs> see the parallels between Monica and Eddie the characters in this book and um, Megan and Harry so Piper is having a lot of fun just getting to know them. And at some point, Harrison, the bodyguard, comes over to her house. And they start to get to know each other throughout the book. And it was really, really neat to see how he developed a relation, was able to develop a relationship with her mother. Like her mother, whenever she was really stressed, she would bake. And she always wanted to bake a pie or whatever. And it was neat to see how Piper would just go along with it because it just made her mom feel a lot better. And also later you get to see Harrison comes in and he is like amazing at making food, like especially baking. And so he's able, like her mom's about to have this like panic attack because she can't figure out how to get, um, like the pie shell, um, perfect. And Harrison is able to stop this attack from happening. And he's able to show her and he, you see the patience that he has. Well, as the book is going along, there is a royal scandal. And added to the scandal, we've also got a little personal scandal that's happening for Piper. A parent has discovered her podcast and has taken it to the board trustees. 
So if you want to know what happened to Piper and her job, as well as what happens between Piper and Harrison, then you are going to have to read The Royals Next Door by Karina Holly. Okay. I need to read this like so soon. I want to know. I want to know what happens. That is a Sarah book. So my second book was actually one of my October picks, and I am so pleased to say that it was as remarkable as I anticipated. This is Last Girl Ghosted by Lisa Unger. So good. And yes, Lisa Unger is so amazing, like 95% of the time. Yeah. 95% Um, of the time. 95. I cannot say 100 because there's one book I hate. And so I, ones, I just yeah, there's one series I dislike. She had a series, and there was a couple of them, and oh. I didn't like them as much. I'm gonna talk about that series because this is like a companion. Like, so before I actually start, I have to say that Brooke brings up a very valid point. There is this town that Lisa Unger writes about so much of the time. It's called the Hollows, yeah. and so many books that she writes have ties to the Hollows, even if they don't necessarily take place there you see people from the hollows who kind of randomly show up places or sometimes people will go to the hollows for reasons I don't always understand so if you have read Lisa Unger before and you are familiar with the people in the hollows you will recognize some of them here so last girl ghosted basically tells us to think twice before you swipe because This is the story of a connection made on a dating app that turns deadly. Yes. So our heroine is just kind of hanging out, looking at various ads on a dating app. And she's really in the mood for like just a, a casual hookup. She doesn't necessarily think she wants anything serious. So she finds this guy that is really attractive and has an intriguing profile, and they meet. Well, for the time that they meet, it's clear to both of them that their connection is super strong. And so they start making this sort of casual hookup into a much more substantial relationship. Um, Things move very quickly, and some people are kind of suspicious of this, but our protagonists do not care. But then one day, this guy just disappears. Mm. Like his phone is disconnected. All of his profiles, like social media profiles have been deleted. Like he's nowhere to be found. It's like he didn't exist. She goes to the place that he was supposed to have lived and there's no like trace of him anywhere. So she has no idea how this happened. She feels really horrible because she really did fall for him. But there's a little kernel of anger that is like deep inside. And she decides that she has to find out the truth about who this man really is, why he decided to connect with her on this app and what made him ghost her. So as she digs into this, she realizes that she's not the first person that this has happened to, and that not long after 
this has happened to other women, they have gone missing under very, very mysterious circumstances. So she is now in the crosshairs of this unknown assailant who has a definite plan for her. And it's a plan that no one but him um, is a really big fan of. So this was very, very twisty. Like in a lot of ways, you kind of know certain things. Like if you've read a lot of thrillers, you know how certain things are going to happen. Like certain things just feel, um, I don't want to say obvious because that sounds, that sounds bad. And I don't, I don't mean it that way, but it definitely like follows the formula of a thriller, but it also does what Lisa Unger does so well in that it deviates from that formula just enough to surprise you at some really key points in the story. Um, This one I thought was probably as good as last year's Confessions on the 745 or the one that I I first read by her, which was uh, several years ago called Blackout. But this one is Last Girl Ghosted by Lisa Unger. And despite its connection to The Hollows, um, I did really enjoy it. I do get a little tired of The Hollows from time to time, but <laughs> you, can, you can definitely <laughs> forgive it here. Um, but I, I do highly recommend this. My next book that I'm going to talk about tonight is a book that I must confess, I think I've talked about on this podcast before, but it's been a couple of years, so hopefully people don't remember too much. <laughs> I am, t- I am talking about one of my most favorite books I've ever read, All Fall Down by Jennifer Weiner. And this book is about Allison. And Allison is living the picture-perfect life. She has the handsome, successful husband, like the super adorable little girl. She has a big house in the suburbs. She's a blogger. And she thinks she's doing pretty well until she's in the pediatrician's office waiting for her daughter's checkup. And she decides to do this little quiz in a magazine about addiction. And she's wondering, like, is it really that bad that like, at the end of the day, when it's really stressful, she takes a Percocet instead of having a glass of wine Or like her dad's Alzheimer's is getting worse. So sometimes maybe she needs a Vicodin or, you know, like taking a pill, like when she's feeling kind of lonely because her husband's kind of ignoring her or to kind of numb the edges of the fact that her daughter has some pretty significant sensory concerns and her life being lived is not as picture perfect as she blogs it that she would want people to understand. And so this is the story of how Allison basically goes from appearing to have it all together to taking more and more pills and starting to struggle to kind of hide her habit as things really implode, you know, her dad's getting worse. Her mom needs her more. Her husband's working more and more and ignoring her, her blogs taking off, but that means that she has to find more content to make people like interested in like what she has to say. 
Her daughter is kind of melting down and she's so lonely and so fractured. And she basically has to hit rock bottom before she can maybe rebuild. And this book really resonated with me as a mom. I don't, I don't take pills, but I really, (laughs) well, I feel like I needed to say, you know, I feel like as, as a, as a parent, you know, we have, there are so many judgy parents and different parent groups and people who look down on you. If you don't do like the coolest crafts with your kids or have the best looking homework project, or you only give them organic snacks and, and like, maybe you have Oreos in your purse or Maybe for dinner, your kid has a bowl of cereal one night. There are so many pressures. And then add on top of that, the fact that her dad has Alzheimer's, her parents, who she loves so much, and just that she's kind of drifting away from her husband. And it's just the most, I think I talked about this a long time ago when we talked about sad books. And this, I felt, was a very accurately written book about because a lot of times when you read about addiction and this is very stereotypical because addiction is something that is um, not judgy about class or anything else that can happen to anyone. But a lot of times when you read about it in a book, it's somebody who like is living like a really rough life. And this is like a suburban mom who's trying to keep up the appearance of having it all together. And she very clearly doesn't. So if you want to read a really good book that has a lot of really snarky humor and um, a really, really adorable little girl and Allison, who is a very interesting character with a lot of depth, who you could probably really identify with then read All Fall Down by Jennifer Weiner. I don't think you'll regret it. It's so good. No, it's so sad, but so good. I didn't read it. I'll have to read it. It's yes. yeah, I think you would like it, Brooke. I mean, it's something that you really need to read. You don't want to read it if you really want to laugh the whole time, but it does have the the trademark, the the Jennifer Weiner like humor throughout. Uh-huh. It's just a, a lot of sadness too. So my next book tonight is Gone for Good. Detective Anna Lisa Vega, number one by Joanna Schaffbussen. And as you can guess, our main character's name is Annalisa Vega. And she is a detective and she's been partnered up with her ex, which is a little uncomfortable, but they're, get, they're doing it. They're figuring it out. And they've been called to a case of a woman named Grace Harper. And she's the manager of a grocery store. And she has been found bound and dead. Hmm. Yeah. So through investigations, they discover that her murder is linked to some murders that were happening back 20 years prior. Um, There was a person um, ritually binding people and killing them and then writing like um they, so they nicknamed him the love lorna killer and after these women were found or what well, after he killed them anyway he was sending like he would pen love letters and sending them to the news like to the newspapers so 
Yeah, because it's a stable activity. Exactly. So as they learn more about Grace, so one interesting thing about Grace is not only was she a grocery manager, but she was also um, in her, in the, in, um, like, in the evenings, she spent her time online um, doing amateur smooth, uh, sleuth, not smooth, sleuth work <laughs> <laughs> with the, um, I'm pretty sure they're called the grave diggers. I think that's what they're called. Yes, they so are. They're, yeah, so they're an amateur sleuth group, um, and they investigate cold cases. So we get to meet some of the people that is in her group and we learn more about her and more about their connections. And we also learn that at the time of her death, they were investigating these cases, the lovelorn killer cases. And when they go to Grace's home, they discover um, in her, they discover a room in her place that's like covered in just notes and her thoughts and like different things um like pictures and like just different things about the case and from what they can tell it looks like grace got really close to figuring out who the uh, bad guy was and that's why she has died so they have to do the, all these investigations and I found it that I was able to, I kind of had an idea of who um, the bad guy was, but there was also a lot of red herrings. So you really didn't know for sure. But one thing I did actually forget to say is that Annalisa has a personal connection to these killings. Um, the mother of her best friend, well, her love, well, when she was a teenager, his name is Colin. Um, his mother was murdered by this person and she was actually the last murder before they, this person went on like hibernation or whatever, whatever he did. Right. And so she's got this personal connection. So it was really interesting to see her interactions with her ex as his, as um, her partner at work. And then also to see how her and Colin been, began to, how they're beginning to reconnect. So I'm looking forward to seeing where she takes this series. This is Gone for Good, Detective Annalisa Vega, number one, by Joanna Schaffelsen. I love her. I, I, like, I really love her Ellery Hathaway. It's Ellery Hathaway, right? Yes. Yes, I really like that series. So I'm looking forward to seeing where that goes. But this is like a totally different take on things. And I, it is. And I'm really, really looking forward to seeing where it takes us. So my next book is the first in a trilogy. I've read the first two. I have the third one sitting here. Um, and I'm kind of torn between wanting to read it right away so I know how it all ends and wanting to keep it so that I don't have to read the last book. Um, I don't know which I will choose yet. <laughs> but this is A Good Girl's Guide to Murder, A Good Girl's Guide to Murder, book one by Holly Jackson. 
Um, and I was so sure that Brooke had read this and I was like very worried that she would decide to take it from me, but it turns out <laughs> that she hasn't read it. So I was safe. So this is the story of Pippa and Pippa is a high school student. She lives in a small town. I kind of get the feeling that this is like on the East coast. I don't know why I think that, but I do. Um, I could just be making that up though. So don't. Don't focus on that too much. And Pip is trying to find a unique topic for her final project in school. She'll be graduating soon. And she's, she doesn't want to do kind of like the usual things that people do. She wants to think outside the box and find something really cool. So because Pip has a very unique way of viewing the world, she decides that she's going to investigate a murder. Because, you know, that's what you do when you're in high school. Yeah, but not only is she going to investigate a murder, but she's going to turn this investigation into a true crime podcast. And that podcast is called A Good Girl's Guide to Murder. So five years ago, a teenage girl was killed by a local boy. His name was Sal Singh. And everybody is convinced that he is the actual killer, the police, the people in town, the family of the victim, like so many people, everyone just knows that he is guilty. But Pip has never been really sure. She has grown up, you know, kind of in the shadow of these people who were a few years ahead of her in school. Um, Her, like the sister of her best friend knew both the victim and the suspected murderer and it just doesn't feel quite right that it's Sal so she starts digging in to the old you know the case files and she starts interviewing people on her own and does all this stuff to try to uncover the truth and this does not go well for her Um, I do want to give a content warning here for harm to an animal on the page it was not yeah it was not like hugely gory but it it was distressing um yeah it was a little it was a little distressing um and you know this is done because Pippa is looking into things that someone doesn't want her to look into so she gets really close to figuring out the truth and all these things that keep happening to try to you know, keep her from continuing the investigation. She is joined in this effort by Sal's brother, Ravi, and their relationship is one of the best things about this book. They are just incredibly witty together. Um, I love the smart humor here that just sort of runs beneath the surface of the overall um, storyline. Like Pippa is so smart and driven and she sometimes gets in her own way by wanting to be perfect at pretty much everything she does. And Ravi gets this about her almost instantly and is really, really good at kind of dialing her back a little bit and, you know, keeping her from like going off half cocked and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, There are three books here, as I said, Um, A Good Girl's Guide to Murder, Good Girl, Bad Blood, and As Good as Dead. I love the first two so incredibly much. 
So if you've not read these, I highly recommend it. If you do them in audio, they do the podcast production so, so well. It reminds me quite a bit of Sadie by Courtney Summers, which everyone here knows that I absolutely adore. But this is A Good Girl's Guide to Murder, A Good Girl's Guide to Murder, book one by Holly Jackson. This is not, not a Sarah book. It's, it's dark and twisty and... Mm. Well, would you like to know what is a Sarah book? Yes. Twice Shy by Sarah Hogle. And this book is so delightful. It is the story of Maybelle Parrish. And Maybelle has had a pretty tough life. Her mom is kind of one of those people that like sponges off their relatives and friends. And so... She drags her daughter all over Tarnation and they sleep on people's couches. And she makes a reference one time that she was always the child in the backseat with no seatbelt because there were lots of cousins in the car and there were never enough seatbelts. So she never got one Um, and not being allowed to touch things because it wasn't her house. And it was just very difficult for Maybell growing up. And so Maybell has created in her head a world She calls it her AU, her alternate universe. And Maybelle in this universe is very confident. She owns this really great cafe in the clouds. And like her friends are genuine and her love interest is amazing. And her mom is her friend and like cares about her. And it's just a wonderful world where in reality, her world is not that great. So she works in the beginning at a resort called Around the Mountain Resort. And Maybelle worked there from the time she was 18. Now she's 30. And she really would like to be like an event coordinator, an event planner. She's very good at planning things, but nobody will ever give her that chance. She's worked in housekeeping and people are not nice to to Maybelle because Maybelle's a very gentle soul. And she just doesn't fight back very well. So Maybelle has a, let's call her a frenemy named Gemma. <laughs> and Gemma acts so friendly and kind and loving. But what you find out is that Gemma is a horrible person. And Gemma got jealous. She's the she's the hotel, the resort owner's daughter. I'm sorry, I forgot to say that Gemma is... And Gemma got jealous because a guy that she liked and she, she changes men about as frequently as she changes her um, socks or underpants or whatever you want to say. And she, I don't say underpants in real life, but I thought it sounded funny. I was going to start laughing. I was like, oh my God, she said underpants. (laughs) Yeah. I just thought it was more funny than underwear. So anyway, so Gemma gets angry because a man that she likes has the audacity to speak to Maybelle. And so Gemma goes on this really um, elaborate scheme to get Maybelle not to focus on her love interest. So basically she catfishes her. She gets this picture of this very handsome man. She starts up conversations on this dating app. She gets her totally invested for months and then she moves on to someone else and doesn't really have the time or the energy because she's so selfish. 
to keep up the fake relationship. And then she confesses. And oh, oh, by the way, Maybell says the father who owns the resort, you can be promoted to this event coordinator if you don't say anything about my daughter in public or don't like blame her in public. And so she's promoted in name only. She's still a housekeeper at the beginning of the book, really. And nobody will listen to her. And it's a very lonely existence. And then a woman comes into the, into the resort and it tells her that her great aunt Violet passed away and great aunt Violet owns this beautiful estate called, is it falling stars? And she has left it to Gemma. I mean, I'm sorry to Maybell. She passed away and left it to Maybell. And Maybell basically like walks off of her job, <laughs> walks out of her apartment, goes to this house because she lived there for one summer when she was 10. And it was literally the best summer of her life with her great aunt Violet and her great uncle Victor. But she gets there and she finds out that great aunt Violet didn't just leave the house to her. She left it also to a man named Wesley. And Wesley <laughs> is literally the dead ringer for the beautiful man who Gemma used to catfish her oh. on this dating app. He is the dead ringer because she actually, Gemma, um, through this whole like long drawn out story that I'm not going to get into, um, had a picture of him and used it. <laughs> and so now she has to share this small cabin near the big estate with Wesley because in her later years, Grady and Violet became a hoarder and bought all these things off of QVC, tons and tons and tons and tons, <laughs> like boxes and pallets of Nintendo 64s and clothes from like the 70s and like head scratchers. When you open up a wardrobe, a head, the whole box of head scratchers <laughs> fall out, all these things. And, and Maybell wants to turn the estate into a beautiful hotel. And Wesley wants to turn it into a sanctuary for like abused farm animals. And <laughs> yes. And these two, great aunt Violet made a wish list of wishes that she wants them to carry out for her in order, you know, while they are learning to live together in harmony. And this book to me, was such a beautiful, beautiful story. It's the story of a girl whose life is so kind of awful and she's treated so awfully, terribly bad that she spends a lot of the book with her head in the clouds. Some people got really irritated by that. How often she'd go off into her head and like think about like her cafe in the clouds. I loved it. It, the book to me has a little bit of a Gothic feel because you're in this old Southern house and you're, um, you know, it's it kind of, there's no like ghosts in the attic or anything, but it's just like this old Southern house. And there's like the thought that there might be treasure somewhere. And there's a great aunt who died, who left behind wishes. Cause you know, maybe she knows best and is trying to set these two up, but you know, I mean, we wouldn't have guessed that from my synopsis, but this <laughs> all came about because Maybell was catfished on the dating app and it has done such a number on her that whenever she sees Wesley in the beginning, it just really, really, she has a hard time like focusing, functioning, doing anything because in one like side of her mind, he's like the man of her dreams, the man that whenever she's in her cafe in the clouds, he's the one she thinks of and makes like her love interest. But in real life, he's nothing like that. And she doesn't really know him. 
So it's two really kind of wounded souls coming together in this beautiful book. And I love everything about it. It's Twice Shy by Sarah Hogle. Um, I think it had really mixed reviews, but if you like books that I like, you'll love it. I do want to try this. It's really good. So my last book for tonight is The Last Beautiful Girl by Nina Lauren. And our main is Izzy. And her family is moving. And she's really not happy about this. She's a, um, she goes to high school and she's in a high school where theater is a big part of her life. And she has like this main part in a theater production. And now her parents have both um, got new jobs at this, in this other place. And she has to go along. And now she has to give up her main, like she's like the star of the show. She has to give away this. And her best friend takes the position. So she's really not happy. Um, the only really bright side of this move is that they get to live in this Victorian mansion. It's um, owned by like the school where I think it's a university where her parents work and they've given them the ability to live in it while it's being refer- like re renovated. So that's about the only thing that's going good. There's no cell service, which reminds me of our farm and our really not great cell service. (laughs) Um, (laughs) There's like, she's away from her friends and she's just really unhappy. Well, moving around her house, she discovers some jewelry and some gowns that belonged to the per- this woman named Isabel Granger. And she was an artist muse who tragically died in a fire. Oh. Yeah. So at her new school, she's really not happy. Like she just feels like really kind of an outcast. Um, she meets up with one girl and they become friends and her, her friend tells her about their theater club. And so she goes to the theater club and they're deciding what to do. And they decide that they're going to recreate the theater production of Dorian Gray. And her and her friend, they go back to her house at the mansion And they start playing around with the, like, dresses and the jewelry of Isabel. And together, they put together an um, Instagram page. And her pictures are gorgeous. Like, they're literally perfection. And as the story progresses there's a darkness that's entering as Izzy and people start dying. So if you want to know more, then you will have to check out The Last Beautiful Girl by Nina Lauren.
this was like a creepy creep. Like if we were doing a creepy book thing, I would have had to do it. So my next book is similar to the one that Brooke just discussed in that I chose it because it's something a little bit different. And although it was not totally my thing, I think it is the thing of, of some people. And so that's why I'm talking about it here. This is The Marvelous by Claire Can, And there's this heiress and her name is Jewel. And Jewel is this very rich, powerful person who has developed an app that she calls Golden Rule. And it's a video app that has very specific rules for, for participating. And so it's really supposed to kind of amplify the good things about social media while taking away the, the darker side of it. And so this app has been going on for a number of years and suddenly Jewel just kind of like falls off the map. She's gone. No one knows anything about her for a whole year. Huh. And the app is still going strong, but kind of beneath the surface of kind of the everyday like running out of the app, users are speculating about Jewel. They, they don't know where she went. And then a year later, she returns and she has an announcement. She has chosen six people to join her at her estate for a weekend. And <laughs> she doesn't really tell them why they should do this. They just, she just says, like, it's a life-changing opportunity. She really wants these people to come. And so they do. And when they get there, they realize that Jewel has an ulterior motive for inviting them. And she tells them that in order to figure out like why they're there, they have to play this game. And it's kind of a weird game. It reminds me kind of of like a scavenger hunt, but like you're not finding physical objects. You're more like finding clues to help you uncover like the reasons that Jewel has, has called you here. Um, the story is told from the perspective of three girls who are part of the six that were chosen to come to the estate. And each of them brings something different sort of to this game. Um, they are kind of unlikely allies. I think, you know, in the beginning, you kind of get the impression that these people are supposed to be like competing against each other and it's supposed to be like every person for themselves. But it soon becomes clear that the only way to beat this game is to team up, even if that's not really what Jewel intended. And I can't tell you a whole lot more than that um, because anything else I would say would sort of spoil like a bunch of things about what this game is. So if you like like scavenger hunts in real life um, or you like kind of twisty books, but not twisty in the way that like a serial killer thriller is twisty, um, kind of like more character driven twistiness. Um, this might be a, a good book for you. It's, it's a YA novel. Um, so the characters are teenagers. I think the youngest of them is 14. I think she does a really good job of making her teenage characters actually feel like teenagers instead of like adults in the bodies of teenagers. 
Um, it's, I don't know. It, it was not my favorite book that I'm discussing for this episode, but I think it does bring kind of a, a cool like YA bent to this topic of social media and does kind of add um, a certain element to the discussion. So this is The Marvelous by Claire Can, And I hope that it finds like more love than I've, I've seen it get over the past couple of months. Talking of um, spoiler alerts. Spoiler. Should I, should I give you a spoiler alert? A spoiler? Yes. Well, I'm not going to. I'm going to talk about spoiler alert by Olivia Dade. Oh my Yay. God. My, so Olivia Dade, I'm just going to say one thing and wax poetic for two seconds. Like, I really wish Olivia Dade could be my friend, which might sound creepy, but I don't mean it. What is it? Creepity creep. I don't mean to sound creepy yeah. creep, but I wish she could be my friend. <laughs> She's so like her books are so wonderful. And her characters remind me of people that, again, I would love to be friends with. Well, really, I would love to. Um, I would love to be in a relationship with Marcus Castor Rupp, who is the main character in this book. So let's talk about <laughs> spoiler alert by Olivia. Dade. Have you talked to Ian about that? Um, well, I don't, I don't know if my husband would really appreciate that I, um, <laughs> could have a thing for Marcus castor So this is the story of April and April is such a cool character. She is unashamedly herself and it's taken her a long time to get here. Um, she goes out and she studies like samples, like at, like, drilling sites and um she's she's really likes like earth and rocks and she's very interesting she's also um a well she would call herself fat um character and i love how much body positivity there is in this book so she does all this rocks and dirt and soil by day but by night she writes fan fiction for a TV and book um, story. So it's a major TV show that is um, taken from a series of books called Gods of the Gate. And it is the story of Aeneas and his lady love. So Dido, but also Lavinia. So her fan fiction she focuses on the relationship between Aeneas and Lavinia. And she does a lot of posting fan fiction on the server. And she has become very good friends. So she calls herself unapologetic um, Lavinia Stan. And her friend calls himself Book Aeneas Would Never. Because the <laughs> Aeneas character in the book would never do what the Aeneas in the show does. So April is really into like making cosplay costumes for um, the character of Lavinia. And she one night decides to take the bull by the horns and she is going to take a picture of herself in her latest um, Lavinia costume. And she's going to put it up on her Twitter page. And so she does it. And a lot of people like are really, really like kind and supportive because it's a great costume and she's very confident. 
And then people are horrible to her and start comparing her to farm animals. And because she Uh is, yeah, she is not a, a petite person. And Marcus Kesterup, who is the main character who plays Aeneas on the Gods of the Gate TV show, sees this and gets quite angry and says, I love your costume and I would love to take you on a date. And he puts that, he tweets it. He, he, on her Twitter. And so she's like, okay, like, you know, that'd be kind of fun. But, you know, she's kind of like, you know, on the show and when he's interviewed, he's like this really vapid, vapid, like, look at my beautiful muscles. Look at my, you know. I take a long time to do my hair. I don't really know much <laughs> about anything. I'm a golden retriever. Okay. Like that he calls himself an eager golden retriever. Like that's his persona. But what she doesn't know is that he is book Aeneas would never. And he figures oh. out pretty quickly that she is unapologetic Olivia Stan. And so they begin this beautiful relationship where we learn that he has a hidden disability of his own, that he has worked very hard to keep out of the media, and where she learns the beauty of being loved for herself. And this book is full of social media, full of fanfic samples on their server it is everything in a book that I could possibly ever love and I cannot highly recommend this book enough I it's one of my favorites I just reread it again in preparation for reading all of the feels all the feels which is the book about another character on the show that's coming out a lot of body positive people learning how to stand up to family members and people really coming into their own and learning how to be confident. And a lot of this, a lot of this book really in many ways revolves around how you portray yourself online versus how you are in real life. So if you want to read a really good book, a phenomenal romance, you should read Spoiler Alert by Olivia Dade. It's one of my very favorites. I know. Didn't you love it, Shannon? I did. I have to say, though, the parents in this book oh, I hate are, them. like, really terrible people. Like, oh, her I know. parents, I just... his parents, like, I know. <laughs> I know, but then then you wonder, that then you realize, like, why both of them yes. have, like, that, that, why they behave the way they do. And that brings us to the end of our discussion of social media books. Thank you to Sarah and Brooke for coming up with some really great stuff for this episode. I appreciate you both so much. As always, thanks goes out to Christine for all of her editing. And we thank each and every one of you who joins us each week as we talk about great books. If you would like to leave us a rating or a review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you use to access the show. Not only does it tell us what you think, but it also helps other people find us when they're looking for book-related podcasts. Um, It kind of advances us in the Google algorithm. 
So I will be back next Tuesday morning with an author interview and, of course, the guide to new releases. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody.